back. I'm back, yeah. Bloody hell, it's been a minute. Where have you been? Where have I been? I've been uh, off grid. I've been uh, on the Gold Coast for most of my time. But um, yeah, you know, episode 26 was something for us that we wanted to take a little bit of time to, to ponder upon. And the reason why is because episode 26 is the one year anniversary of the podcast. Yeah, so every two weeks we were doing the podcast up until a certain time in in August, I think it was. Mm. Um, and our schedules just got a little bit crazy, so we couldn't get the, it done on a bi-weekly basis. So we had to wait until now. And we have a very special episode in store. And, and what we're actually going to do today is we're going to go through our favorite 10 moments from the first year of the podcast. Um, so we're going to go through them clip by clip and we're going to explain as to why we picked the moments that we picked and afterwards we're going to have a little debrief on how we f- currently feel about those moments and then move on to the next one. Yeah, great. Sound good? Should we get into clip one? Yeah, and you know what, like we have a lot of stuff to discuss other than this. I think, you know, <laughs> in, the, in the coming podcasts that we are going to put out after this one, there's so much value and so much that we need to share from um, from the last couple of months. You know, Lee's been around the world. <laughs> I've been not around the world, but a fair bit around Australia. So, um, yeah, we do have a lot to share and we look forward to sharing that. But, yeah, let's get into clip one. All right. So, yeah, we, we decided to choose five clips each. So I got the first pick. And uh, clip one from me was from episode one. I still think it's it's an iconic episode. Um, yeah, let's let's play the clip and uh, see what section I picked out. Well, you know, like that's why we call it the network in the first place. I think just connecting with people who are on the same wavelength as you, about that, yeah. and yeah. like opening up discussions and conversations with yeah. with the people on the platform, um, because this is for like I think what most people forget about when they educate, and this is this is some fucking this is a bomb here. Go on, what I'm most ready. people I'm forget. Ready. What most people forget when they educate is to be an educator, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's about the person that you're teaching or the people that you're teaching. Amen. Too many people Amen. are making it this fucking celebrity game. Yep. And look, we've probably got painted with that brush too from time to time. Yep. Um, but it's not about you. It's about the person that absorbs the information. Amen. Yeah, so what what a clip. I thought that was um, very powerful for one of our first ever episodes. Um, so it's kind of it's fun going back, I think, seeing where we were at and where our mindsets were at at that time. Um, but still to this day, you know, we, we live by those values. You know, we, I think in all of our classes, you know, we, I think all of our students will say, we leave nothing on the table. We don't hide any facts, any tips and tricks, nothing. We just give it all out because it's not about us. Mm. It's about the the people who are in our classes or whoever's watching our content. Um, so yeah, I picked that clip because really it was just so true. You know, even a year on, we still live by that philosophy. It's just not about us. And yeah, again, we see it all the time. So is that a, is that a parking inspector? I think that's me getting a ticket. Yeah. Fuck. Ah, uh, they might be um just checking the cars. Huh? They might be just checking. They might be just marking the tires. Okay, if so they've got me, they've got me. So sorry, guys. Sorry to interrupt. <clears throat> I was just worried for your 
your uh, your cars outside. But yeah, look that that clip. Um, for me, looking at it now, uh, about a year or so later, it's an interesting one because um, you know that's not even just in hair and just in education. It's it's for anyone who actually owns a business and and wants to actually do their branding and marketing in the right way. It, like whatever service or product that you're offering, it's whoever's going to be buying it doesn't give a shit like what you're doing or saying or they don't care about what it is about you. If you land on somebody's website and it's just all about them, um, it doesn't really matter, to be honest, um, to them. So like really, really good episode to follow up on that particular point is episode 24 with James Coulson. He actually speaks into that when it comes to branding um, and not making it about you, but making it about the customer. And I actually met up with him recently on the Gold Coast and he delved into that a little bit deeper with me. Um, so yeah, you can expect some changes on the network pretty soon when it comes to the landing page. Mm. I think what we've, how we've expanded our mindset, or especially for me, is like, you know, that it's not about you. It, it can be taken a little bit in the wrong way because some people say, oh, well, why do you do it then? Obviously, you've got to get a bit of gratification of helping people with their hairdressing knowledge. Obviously, whatever you do, but that's the act of service, I believe. Mm-hmm. You know, the act of service is the helping and, and passing on your knowledge and, and training in, in what we do. But that's for, for us, it's not like a big ego stroke. It's more of, you know, this really is to help other people benefit and level up and mm. you know get to where they want to be in life um so yeah um powerful first clip yeah and like like what you were just saying there i thought about that before the ticket was being put on your car that was what was going through my mind <laughs> and then that actually threw me off but i, I was saying like cause we do encourage the people who come to the academy and to to go and on the network you know like a lot of what we do in our lives like when we design our lives we have to design it for us initially mm you know, yes, for our intrinsic values. And I think that's the difference is the intrinsic versus the extrinsic. Like in that clip, I was kind of referring to the extrinsic values that I see a lot on the likes of Instagram where people are just doing education so that they can be some sort of celebrity or gain gratification or validation from the industry. Um, And their intrinsic values or their motives are misaligned or off course so yeah very powerful first clip cool we get into the second one let's get into clip number two and but why i think that way is because what we said before let's get back to basics we are humans yeah and are we humans are are we service providers exactly I'm, am i just a product or am i a human first and foremost i'm a human and i woke up that way and so did you yeah. and i think that's where we need to get back to look at this from that that lens is we're both human. So I have full right to challenge your perspective and you have full right to challenge mine. But we may not agree on everything and we don't have to agree on everything and that's fine and I want to see more of that in our industry. I really, really do. I've been trying to explain it to people. I want to pull us back to a middle ground more because for me, I see a lot of clients are over this way and I'm going that way. It's like the, the degree of separation is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger all the time. And I find it harder and harder and harder to connect with those people who are only doing it for ego values. And my struggle and my pain here, my empathy comes in when I'm like, guys, it just doesn't need to be that way for you. 
It just doesn't need to be that way. Like I can help you see this in a different light. But again, it's like, like we were talking about the other day about advice. You know, people ask for advice. They generally don't take advice. And this is my struggle. I'm in the shop daily and I'm so polarized by what I think, what they think, what's going on here. Rarely do we get enough time in that 45 minute space to, to get to those levels. But you can't anyway, because the thing is, you're trying to protect your energy as well. There's also a part of that with me. Yeah. Like where it's like, I look at my energy on a day-to-day basis when I'm working a 12-hour shift, like an iPhone battery. Yeah. And I don't want to wake up first thing and start watching a fucking video no. and downloading something. You know, no. like that's what it's like because it's yeah. going to drain that battery. And then, you know, you've got to understand as well that the, uh, you know, and I this is something I need to understand always and I, I'm conscious of it, is the person has a protection, a barrier around them too. Their ego is there. Mm. You know, I don't care what anybody says, it's rare that that person is there with a dissipated ego. It's just not. But the, the, the common theme that I see a lot, and this is what worries me and pains me as I'm getting older, is why it's so important to feed it in that way. Why does it matter so much that we look a certain way? Why is it so important? Well, all of these things that we've just been talking about, the market, social cues, status signals, social media, you know, we're just, it's been normalized that we have to look a certain way. It's been normalized. Okay, strip it back to basics. If you're a hunter-gatherer, does it matter what you look like? Absolutely not. You probably have all the features you have, the color hair, the length of hair, the type of hair, the features you have, the beard that you have, the color skin that you have for survival purposes. Yeah, and if you do happen to look attractive, you might attract more sexual partners. There you go. As a hunter-gatherer. And that's, that, that's probably what it is. Right? There you like, go. All right. And, but that's natural attraction, natural beauty. Okay. We are going to absolute lengths and that's why I say it's the most, we have the most ridiculous job in the world. Look what we're doing. We're taking all the means and textiles and materials that we have in our body and we're just trying to change them all. And the thing that worries me is we've normalized it too much to a point where it's too much now. And it's, I feel to me, this is going to sound terrible. And it's not a dig on the industry, but it's becoming toxic yeah. for me on a personal level. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So that episode actually, you know, like the reason I picked that clip is because <laughs> I actually would encourage you if you haven't listened to episode four to go back and, and listen to it because um, it's a real deep insight into like our very analytical way of thinking. And, and this is actually a conversation that like you'd be, it's not just a once off, you know, me and Lee don't have this conversation just on the podcast it literally happened before we started recording <laughs> right now like it happened about 15 minutes That's, ago yeah, 20 minutes you know? ago um, so yeah like I think it's really really valuable I thought that that episode was fantastic I thought that was a really really great piece out of the episode um, it made so much sense it was really summed up well and it's true like, do you still feel the same? Do you still feel like you, you feel that same way? Yeah. That would have been early doors in the podcast. Too. Yeah, I just want to say, I don't know what I was drinking that day, but there was some sass in there, wasn't it? There was sass. There was yeah. sass in there. You were upset. Well, I was feeling some feels there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that was probably, though, one of the first times 
um, it was probably going out to the public really the way that we thought and it was probably something I was struggling with in my own mind of thinking how on earth am I going to help people because again we're in the game of helping people right mm. and that was probably one of the hardest things I saw that we, we're going to tackle is how on earth am I going to help people with this and I think the reason I feel so strong I still feel like that now I feel so strong about it is because I've been in that position and I've realised it's not helpful um one of the things I will say, interesting, looking back at myself there, saying that is like the delivery. Mm. I think we've had this conversation a lot and I've probably said it on a podcast before about trying to make that, how to deliver that in a more gentle way. But like for the for the everyday person, but this is our podcast, we can say whatever mm. the fuck we want. Exactly. <laughs> and and for but, the, our, the majority of our audience is going to be hair professionals. And, and to put that into context, Lee is discussing the relationship between him and the client in that particular clip. Mm. Um, you know our client as educators is other hair professionals now at this very moment but you know talking into the context of the client in the barbershop that's what you're speaking to there mm. yeah um, more so than the other way yeah um, yeah so like us being able to actually have that state of mind and, and viewpoint of our industry and what we're doing and being able to actually deliver that to other professionals so that they can actually have that same mindset going into a hair service and already feeling like the person that you're servicing or the person that you're giving the haircut to is perfect the way they are already, not selling them this dream that once they get this skin fade that they're going to be a hundred times happier and they're going to be so much better. Yeah, fair enough. You know, like it's like doing a hit or drinking a beer. You know, eventually that beer goes away. Mm. A haircut is the exact same thing. Mm. You know, it's not life or death. It doesn't actually fucking matter at all. Um, but yeah yeah and I think you know in, in a more modern way of talking about it you know I'm, I'm trying to there's a book I've, I was telling you about change your change your thoughts change your mind or change your life or something like that it's called and it's basically based on like Taoist philosophy or Taoist principles and there, there's a line in there you know it talks about the duality of everything and there is a line there's a, a whole paragraph sorry about beauty and it says you know we're very polarized in the way that we think about things in the world you know on one camp we're saying everything is beautiful the way it is nature but then on the other camp we're saying this is beauty we're very subjectively saying that this one thing is beauty so in the Tao they understand that there's the duality of everything so to admit that one thing is better looking or more beautiful is to admit that there is ugliness as well so We've got to be very careful there and you know again they're very subjective things but to admit that there's ugliness we've got to think of the detrimental psychological effects that that might have on the people that you admit that to so that's where that goes mm. it's deep but it's pol- like, and it's, it's hard like, to, it's hard to think about but it's like anything in the it's world like it's like anything there's, it's just, there's it is, it's always polarized yep. everything's polarized everything's polarized so i think it's just what I, where i was going with that clip i probably didn't know how to explain it i explained it all right but to really get it to hit home, you know, I think we've just got to be careful on what we, like I was saying, normalize and like push to the front is what is like right and normal. Mm. Um, but yeah, oh, sass. It's very sassy. <laughs> and you know what, like before we move on to the next clip, I'll leave you guys with this one. There's a difference between what we normalize and what's natural. So there's a difference between what's normal and what's natural. Oh, preach. Just let that one sink in again. Just maybe repeat. Maybe hit ten seconds back, and then yeah. there's a difference between what's normal, what we've normalized as humans, what we've made normal, and what's actually natural for our being. So there you go. Don't 
don't have to repeat it. Clip number three? Clip three, let's do it. My turn. All right, so clip number three um, by a hairdressing icon. It's from episode number 14, uh, Sharon Blaine. And in this, this struck me, I, I still remember the moment we were sitting there recording this podcast. She's talking about work ethic and leading on to that, there's a little bit more about fitting the mold. But let's watch the clip and see what she really meant about that. You said, yeah, you've, you've mentioned that I, I now a few times. I think tribe is a good word. You know, I, I think about tribe is a, a really good word because I think it relates to, I love it for hairdressing. Yeah. Because I think more than ever now, it's more like, we're a bit more like a tribe of hairdressers and mm. not just a salon of hairdressers. Yeah, yeah. And the tribe, I think, what I refer to as tribe, I think it's, you know, who they accept in their tribe. Because I do know there's salons that have certain standards and the certain look and the feel of how the staff need to look. And that's where I think a lot of kids get caught up in, I want to be a hairdresser, and they might go to that salon. But it wasn't for them. It didn't fit their colourful identity. It didn't fit the way they wanted to dress. It didn't suit the, the fact that they wanted dreadlocks and didn't want to have a sharp haircut. Yeah. You know, um, So and, and, and that's what I think, if we could even spread that message out there that there is a salon or an environment for every personality. Mm. Just don't go to one and think this is one size fits all. Yeah. You do have to shop around to connect mm. with the group that yeah. mm. you really feel comfortable with. Because, you know, it's like finding a new family, isn't it? Yeah. We work virtually and we're hanging with our work colleagues more than we hang with our own I know. family. Yeah. You know, I'm, I spend more time with Lee than I do with my partner. It's like, what can I say? It's like, a worry, isn't it? It's a worry. That's a worry. <laughs> a worry. Uh, no, but it I is think, a worry. We'll get there, we'll get there. Do we'll you think it. there is a... Um, responsibility on the leadership side as well because something that we've been kind of toying with in different conversations lately is our leadership style and recognizing that you know there are different needs of the younger generations now yes. even even the multiple generations going through I think for a long time there the expectations are very similar and people mm -hmm. adhere to a similar thing but now moving forward it's so varied out it there is very much and I think so. on the flip side as much as it is um, you know, the, the talent side to shop around on the leadership side, I think we need to be able to adjust as it well. Is, it is very interesting because, you know, um, for many, many years, I had massive salon staff. I had big salons. I won um, one of them is, uh, look, I used to say 46 staff come to work in that salon every week. So that was a combination of different people doing different roles from reception to childcare and everything in between. And, you know, the style of leadership there, the one thing I think one of the biggest problems that I've probably found as a, as a leader, I was a great creative leader and everybody jumped on the wagon because they loved that creative thing. But when you had to turn to be the boss, because then you had to start thinking of dollars and cents, it was not as well received. Mm. So I think it's very difficult for a salon owner because at the end of the day, no matter what, the buck stops with you. Every single person can leave your environment and find a job somewhere else and you're the one left with the rent and wearing the bills, mm -hmm. okay? So you've still got to stand up um, as, a, as a leader and, and be, you know, have your rules. But I, I do think that my style of management those days would never fit today mm -hmm. although I think I'm one of the few people in my generation that's willing to accept that you cannot expect to train kids the way I train them mm. 
Mm. You cannot take apprentices today. I think they will fit that mould of what they were yeah. for me. Yeah. They're very, very different. Mm. And that's why I think, you know, even the way, we, you know, the way we're training them, the way they're going to college, all of those things. You know, I have a, a next staff member that said, well, you know, it was good enough for us and we had to do this and we had to scrub the, you know, the, the floors and we did mm. this. And, and she said, and they won't do it. And I said, well, would you do it today? Come they, on. They, exactly. they didn't want to do it then. They didn't want to do it, but they but had they just no did options. It. Yeah. But now they're rebelling and they don't want to do it. And that's okay. And that's yeah. the thing. Woo. Oh, tell him, Sharon. Love it, love it. Get Gary V out. Where is he? Yeah, that was a Gary moment. Where's Gary V? You know, um, Sharon's putting Gary V to, to shame there. Um, oh, but look, no, that was great. <clears throat> that, that clip really doesn't need a lot of explaining, does it? I mean, pipes are going. We have some ambience in here. Um, that, that clip just really doesn't need a lot of explaining. I think, you know, it's, I, I agree with exactly what she says. And if there's anyone to take it from, it's Sharon. Yeah. She's been in the industry, what, 50 something years. Mm. Even she recognizes that it's from the leadership level first. You have to adapt. Mm. She said it right there. The proof is in the pudding. Her leadership style back in the day wouldn't stand today. Yeah. Um, and I love that because we talk about that all the time. We understand that the youngsters coming through um, and whoever we're, we're dealing with, we can't stay dogmatic in the way that we thought even five years ago because mm. things change so fast now. Mm. She's probably talking in 10 10, 15 year increments. We're talking like five years, even a year ago, things changed. So that, that clip speaks for itself. I just loved it. And, and being a lot more open and accepting and inviting for people, not forcing people to fit a mold. And don't be surprised when people don't want to scrub the floors of a toothbrush. And, yeah, well, look, know. I think in the last two, three years, um, we have gone through some crazy rapid growth in terms of people niching down into how they want to live their lives and mm. the options have scaled out because people were sucked away from the societal norm of just being minions and going to work like honest to god like i've been living in the cold coast for the last month and when i was driving in here this morning going down the pain highway going towards the big smoke and just, there's just trucks and they're blowing fumes and there's cars and there's people going everywhere. I'm just like, this is my idea of hell. What is it all about? This is absolutely terrible. You don't see any of that in the Gold Coast. People get up, they wake up naturally because it's a beautiful place to live. They're happy up there. They cruise out the door, go to the beach, get up, go to work when they're ready on their terms. This was like 6.30 in the morning and I'm talking the road was packed. Anyway, look, that's a little bit of a sidetrack. But what I'm saying in that is that like people have never had so many options and we can't expect anybody to do things that we wouldn't want to do. And, you know, Sharon mentioned something really great there, that her leadership style was really great on a creative, from a creative standpoint. And I see that in our industry. A lot of us are creatives. A lot of us, when we get to a certain point within our creative career and our creative pathway, we think that the, the next natural progression is, well, here I am, I'm, I'm on this step of the ladder now, now I have to own a shop mm. because that's just what you do. But what you're actually doing there is if you're only good at leading in a creative way, you're setting yourself up for a really challenging time 
mm. not just for you but for also the people that you're going to be bringing around you because when you own a business you start bringing people's lives into it you know like you have people who have families you know mortgages luckily enough like for area like we've never really had anybody who's really had like multiple kids mm. mortgage like really mm. heavy like a, you know life circumstances mm. or situations mm. but that's the reality for a lot of barbershops a lot of salons you're dealing with people's lives so it's a big I, I personally think it's a big decision to make when you step into that role and to become a leader because Lee always says it but the worst that you show people is the best that you're ever going to get out of them and if you're not naturally if you're not naturally good in that position then I'm sorry it's it's going to be very challenging for for you and for the people around you mm-hmm. I feel like leadership, you know, the way I look at it at the minute is it, it, it's almost like a big, uh, you're stepping into the realm of like self-development for, for lack of a better word, because it is, if you're not ready to constantly push yourself and level up, um, you're probably going to be in for a bit of a tough time um, because, yeah, you've got to do a lot of work on yourself and, and try and, you know, suss out your biases and where all of your frameworks have come from to make sure that that is going to be the best for the people's lives that you are responsible for. Mm. And oftentimes it's not, (laughs) unfortunately. And and like a a little bit of practical advice before we move on to the next one on that is, you know, leadership for me is just about showing up as yourself and being open and transparent and vulnerable being, having a level of humility to be able to share with your team how you're actually feeling in certain moments rather than having to put on that boss hat and you know Sharon did allude to that in the in the clip about having to put on a different hat for different things and you know there's certain times in our business where we have to do that as well yeah but in doing that don't lose yourself or lose a part of yourself because I think that that's very detrimental actually because yeah. that's when people start rebelling because they're seeing something else that doesn't make sense because they might know you as a person and all of a sudden now you're you're shouting orders or you're you're not you're being that person there's a way of approaching things and there's a t- there's a time to approach things and you know one thing that we always talk about when it comes to that is having a set of values that you live by and having your team on board with those values i think that's absolutely key because that's going to debunk any potential shit situation that you're going to get yourself into because if you all agree to a certain set of values and you, you live by those values, if somebody's acting out of line of those values, then great. A value of mine and a value of, in our business is giving open and considered feedback with the opportunity for growth. So when we say the word, a really key word in that sentence is considered because instead of just you know sending that message to somebody with some sort of bad news or some sort of heavy message in it, it's, it's always nice to just ask, hey, mate, like, um, I've got something I want to talk to you about. Are you in a position right now that you can mm. can take some feedback? or, And, you know, somebody might be really having a tough day. Like, And, you know, there's times where I've come out of retreats or big, like, um, education events, like three or four days with Carwin Ray, and I'm fucking mentally fried. And then I received these messages from, you know, from certain people and like it just drives me fucking up the walls because I'm not in a position emotionally to receive that message in in that moment but the next day I could have received it and not responded so it's really just about giving that considered feedback um, to your team showing up as yourself and just taking everyone 
as an individual and not just projecting your biases on, onto the world. So um, it's just a little bit of practical advice. Should we move on to the fourth one? Powerful. Clip number four. Yeah. This is your turn. My turn. Okay, here we go. Sweet. So clip number four <coughs> is from episode 24. And this is a podcast we did with James Coulson. Um, and James is a branding expert. And in this clip, he's going to explain a little bit as to why your customers should choose you over somebody else when everybody's what is the same. Like what we do is all the same, essentially. But why are people choosing you? Um, niching, he talks into niching down and the 80-20 rule. So have listened to this clip. It's great. One cheapest brand. Every other brand needs something else to rest their hat on, and that's to your value proposition. It's really important that you find your place in the market of what, what your value is that you bring your clients, and it's that value that is what you want to communicate, not the cost that you want to stay away from that money. You want to convey the value you're delivering and why people should choose you. And um, the best brand strategy question I ask clients is why should they choose you? Um, and, and it's about answering that question really deeply. You know, So... I've actually got a, a couple of resources around that, but yeah, why should why should your customers choose you? Uh, if the what's the same, if you're just de- dealing with haircuts or dealing the same thing, then what else? What is the other differentiating factors? And that's where we come down to the customer experience and the why. And it's about communicating those really clearly, and then tapping into the other part of that, which is your ideal audience. If you look at most businesses, um, 80 percent of your revenue is generated by 20% of your clients. So the top 20%. They're repeat purchases, they don't mind paying more. Um, they tell their friends, they're the perfect client, they're the ideal client. That's their top, t- I call them the, the, the power base, um, and which is my mentor Tobias Dolberg actually helped me, uh, um, taught me how to do this process. But um, the top 20% of your clients deliver 80% of your revenue, and this is the 80-20 again, and 80% of your clients deliver 20% of your revenue. So why would you build a brand or a marketing strategy around trying to please everyone? Because you can't please everyone, it's impossible, we all know that. Um, so what we wanna do is we wanna look at, okay, who are these ideal clients, the top 20? Who are these, who are these people? Um, and how do I create a brand and, and marketing around those people? And it's about getting very clear on that because um, most people, and you've heard the word niching, or you, know, mm-hmm. um, you target these people and you can niche in, industry you can niche in product or you can niche in um, a customer or you can niche in all three or two or whatever so uh, for us we've niched into like a more more conscious we call ourselves a conscious creative agency because we um, we want to do more purpose purpose driven work Um, so we're niching into a client but we could also say okay well we only want to do logo design that's it and we're niching in just that one product and then we could say all right well i'm only going to do logo design in the medical industry um, for purpose-driven clients. So I've niched three times. But what that does is I become super focused and become a very, very specialized at doing one thing really, really well. Um, and what that does is you can charge more for what you're doing because you're a specialist, not a generalist. Mm. Um, and, and most people fear that. Most people go, oh, I don't want to, oh, I want to play, oh, I just want to work with everyone. And that's, that's a, a massive trap. Whereas you can't be a specialist, work with the ideal client and charge more. And yeah. Like it just makes sense, but it's also very scary. And it took us uh, 20 years to learn that. Very good. Very, very good value. And, you know, the reason why I picked that um, clip, you know, there's multiple reasons, but I feel like in our industry, we are told that, like, 
everyone is your client like take them all in anyone who walks through the door especially a walk-in business you know like obviously what your marketing and your branding does is attract a certain type of client but if you're placed on a high street and people are walking in you don't really have any control over who you're actually going to be seeing on a certain day so it's 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 an interesting one because like for us like you know with the academy it's obviously a lot more niche you know like we put out certain content to attract a certain audience and I think you know we can even niche that down even more like you know like I think there's certain advice from that clip that we actually do need to take ourselves in terms of um, in terms of really curating what we do but I think you know soup like great value there um, the whole 80 20 rule I think that's very prevalent in in a barbershop kind of setting as well I feel like you know if you come into area like a lot of the time you'll see pretty much the same clients here you know there's a rotation that goes um, you know like if you're working in a barbershop that does walk-ins, you're going to get that 80% of people that are coming through, you know, tourists, whatever it may be. Um, obviously, in the last few years, that's slowed down a little bit. But, um, yeah, really great value there from James. James is a branding expert, as I said, mm-hmm. you know, and, and by the time this episode is actually out, you know, we might be, we might have a few little um, bits of news to deliver to you guys because we're actually doing a brand accelerator course with James on the network which is going to be able to be purchased on the network it's um, a three hour long course which will just give you all the real golden nuggets when it comes to branding Um, it's going to give you everything that you need to know how to set your brand up to be a success Um, and you know if you listen to that episode episode 24 as a little bit of a preview clip before you go and buy the course I would recommend that you do that because um he does really speak into a lot of it there. If you want to get specialized and you want to actually do it for your own brand or you are thinking about setting up a brand, perfect place to start. You know, I wish I knew all of this stuff before we started Area Academy mm-hmm. because um, it would have helped us skip a lot of a lot of the, the trial and error stuff, you know, like because it really just does niche down and get you really clear on what you're actually delivering. And your branding and your marketing, two different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. I think for me, something I uh, really hung on at the beginning of that clip was talking about what makes you different. What is it that's different about you? And I think something we can um, confuse that with in the in the barbering world is what else are you giving? You know, what else is it? Is it is it the eyebrow shape up or is it the nose wax or is it the I, I think those are like they can be some people see them as value added pieces. Mm, they kind of are but is it a trap is it a trap just to try and get more people back in the door because in the end I feel like you might under you might undervalue yourself and undersell yourself so as long as you're you are charging for those services if those are things that you truly want to offer because if you don't want to offer those things and you're just doing it as a trap to get people in the door again you're, you're going to set yourself up for a bit of a difficult time um, so I think with us especially with the academy it's more about the, our holistic approach to education. We're really being careful with what, what we say is right, what we normalize and what we push to the front. Um, and I believe that's going to set people up the best in terms of how they are going to navigate the world that's coming or the future years for them, especially because we do have a lot of youngsters as well. They've got a lot of like hardcore conditioning that's been passed down from the last couple of generations and they're a little bit confused right now. Um, I feel like that's our value added. Um, it's not necessarily like another piece of paper or another ebook or another thing or another thing. It's more about 
how we think about or how we help people to think about what's actually going on um so yeah yeah it's just good, not to confuse that one that's, you know? a, that's a really great point really really good because i think you know people might think um you know what else you know what yeah. what else can i and that's what i like, worry about what, what what has the same but what else what else can i give but like you said you said it perfectly you're setting yourself up for potentially extra work that you don't need to do mm. and you know that energy can be spent actually in something like your branding and actually sitting down and just thinking about like why it is that you do what you do and it's a very interesting one to sit with that so um, we might actually tap into that in another episode I think that's mm. almost an episode in itself yeah understanding the way because it's a slow know, burn that one. it's a very slow <laughs> burner it's a very <laughs> slow burner um, and you know like our way is der- der- derives from our purpose and you know our purpose as a business is to build and inspire lives through hair and like building and inspiring people's lives is just bringing them to a next stage in their lives and inspiring them to keep going for further and and to transcend into that next kind of stage, whatever that may be, hair is our medium to do it. You know, like I think our why and our point of difference, why people choose us over anyone else, maybe because we're we're authentic. I believe we're very authentic. You know, I think we're only becoming more and more authentic. Like right now, we're sitting here, we're about to do the second module, day two of the six one course. And yesterday, honestly, I thought yesterday went to levels, like in terms mm-hmm. of. The digital lecture yeah and just the honesty and the authenticity and not trying to pull the wool over people's eyes you know if people ask us a question we're going to answer it honestly not just so that we get benefit out of it and i think that's the main the main difference clip five yeah all right so halfway through wow we're flying we're flying um so clip five bloody house mate clip five is episode 11 with None other than Mr. Jamie Fairland himself. Um, we had just an absolute cracker of a moment throughout the, the uh, podcast. So let's play the clip and, and see what happened. Things first. Work yeah. doesn't come first. Like your family comes first. Obviously, if they don't take the piss, you know what I mean? But like, Yeah. I mean, and th- th- something that's super important that, that I learned from, the, from the, my father's generation and all that was the work ethic. I think that's something that they must be, like, they work their asses off. He's got hands like itch fingers, like a sausage. Like they just yes, got those, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, got like penis fingers, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the work ethic. We're just going to so, cut that part out and just use it over and over again. Your penis fingers, penis, penis. Penis. Oh. Speak for yourself. Oh, penis. Speak for yourself, bro. <laughs> you did it. You just did me, you just did me wrong. <laughs> Fuck. That's going to be on the bloopers for sure. When you win next week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a clip. What a clip. Um, yeah. Doesn't need a lot of explanation, really, but no. I just loved it. I thought it that. Funny was classic if, if you ever meet jamie like he's kind of like that he's quite a light guy isn't he it's not too serious mm. like 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 you can see we, we were getting serious but it immediately snapped out of it and uh you know you can't do that with everybody but it was just awesome i don't even think he realized what he said at the start all i heard was penis fingers and i'm like mate if your penis looks like that <laughs> You know, that's why I said yeah. speak for yourself my friend yeah I, I honestly thought it was I thought he was saying penis as well but um, <laughs> but yeah you know what brings me joy watching that clip is it, it really just sums up who Jamie is as, as a person 
like he is super humble you know um when you meet him he's just a sponge he wants to learn he absorbs so much from everyone yeah. that he meets you know and he's achieved some really amazing things in the industry things that in societal norms and standards you know you would expect him to be maybe a certain way um or i have definitely expected people oh this guy's however many times hairdresser of the year you know there's just a bit of a connotation around it but jamie honestly like you wouldn't even know he's ever won an award um and i think that's a, a testament to his oh. character and the fact that he can have a laugh like that and we feel comfortable enough to be able to call that out and have a laugh with with him like that on a, on a clip like that i think that sums up jamie as a person yeah great no? clip great guy Great clip, great guy. <laughs> clip number six. Clip six, let's do it. So episode 16 um, with Nazir Sobani, the street barber, so dear friend of, of ours. Um, and at the beginning, you know, the first kind of 10 minutes of the podcast, I actually opened the podcast by telling a story. And um, that story kind of leads on to one of the major kind of topics that we discussed in that podcast, which was detachment. So let's watch the clip and get into it. I think, sorry, I'm just touching on his base. Like, I think it's so important that you specify that because for anyone who's going to watch this or anyone who's going to hear us talk about detachment, they're feeling that they need to just completely neglect, right? Like you're saying, and like be almost monk vibes where they, they sacrifice everything. But it's not about that. You need to aspire. You need to push. You need to try to get stuff. But if it doesn't go according to how you planned, your happiness is not decreased or is it increased? You know what I mean? Your, your, your happiness is there regardless. Mm. And that's the thing, right? That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, it's so important. So for me, when I find myself feeling upset that I'm going to give something away, I'm like, man, I really need to do that. Mm. And then by giving it away, sure, it's not the fact that I've given something away or, you know, I've remained attached, but it's like now it's like, is my happiness going to still be the same as it was before yeah. when I had it? Yeah, that's the lesson in it. That's the yeah. lesson That's in the it. lesson and in that, it. And it's the practice, isn't it? That could take you just years and years and years of giving your stuff away. Yeah. Eventually you got nothing. But, yeah, <laughs> but, you, you have to, but like, it's the practice. But right? you've like, got you're everything. Like, you get yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You already <laughs> yeah. have everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Great. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's, that's literally detachment summed up. Like, you know, for me, Naz taught me the biggest lesson. I've learned a lot of lessons from Naz, but biggest lesson he's taught me and that I carry through with me I, and I still would say it now and like when I said it in the podcast you know that just, there's a whole 10 minute clip building up to that but when I said it in the podcast I said that I still practice attachment on a daily basis and I do and I think you know it's a very important practice for me it has been detrimental and, and very influential and impactful in my life because it's it's allowed me to realize that I do have everything already you know, like I've got rid of a lot of stuff over the years, you know, like I'm just about to sell my bike, even though I love my bike, I'm about to sell it because it's not from a detachment piece, I actually just need the money. But like, even the detachment of letting that go is is kind of, yeah, I wouldn't say scary, but like, it's just a practice, you know, like, and I've, I've witnessed Naz giving away his clothes, giving away his shoes, giving away his clips and combs, clippers, scissors, everything. You know, all you gotta do is ask, pick the thing up and said I like this and he'll give it to you and you know that's something that whenever I have the opportunity to do that I will do it you know and like you'll see it in the classes we give people things all the time all the time if people ask or if it comes up and people are looking at something and they like something and if we can find a spare one around if there's extras if there's something we don't particularly need by all means have it 
I've started asking for my stuff back now. <laughs> <laughs> I go to a class, uh, I got nothing left. Oh, can I have my comb? <laughs> well, literally yesterday, I wrapped up with nothing. Like I just had a scissor and a comb. Um, but yeah. That, and that's beautiful and look something you know I've said it so many times on a podcast I think I have this conversation at least once a week with somebody and I had this conversation with somebody yesterday and it's that whole theory of like take this all away from us today so, sorry take this all away from us tomorrow would you still be okay if all of this disappears tomorrow haircutting barbershops you know even what we're doing here podcasting you know take it all away gone would you still be okay and that's detachment have these things, be close to these things, that's great, but just don't get too tied to it, and don't, I guess it's a great practice to try not to tie your identity to these things, because once you do that, that's it, I think it's very difficult if it does go away, and I think the reason we, I feel so strongly about this is because of the pandemic, like look at what happened, Nobody thinks anything's going away. We just think we're on this linear path to wherever we're going, to Mars. And I don't think it's like that. I think we've just been shown things can be taken away from us at a, a click of a finger. Mm. And how are you? And I think we did a fairly good job of staying okay. Yeah, no, I think it did. probably rocked us a little bit, like at some points. But I think we did... It was did. more disappointment at times. It wasn't necessarily yeah. like it rocked us to our no. core, you know? But like, like for me, I'm, it's it's okay. Yeah. You know, I've lost tools and clippers and all sorts. Actually, silly one. The other day, I lost. I bought a brand new bottle of intention oil to meditate with and breathwork. I've lost it already. I took it out with me. I did some breathwork outside. I took it out of me and I've lost it. I've used it about five times, but for for a brief moment. Yeah. You know, and for a moment there, I thought, ah, shit. See, that's, that's a bit different to giving it to someone. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's but a at the same it, time, it's still, exactly. It's, it's different. But at the same time, I thought, ah, someone's going to find that oil because I think I know where I left it. It's on a bench. It's not there anymore. Someone's got it. They've opened it and would have gone, oh, that smells lovely. Now they've got a beautiful gift. Mm. Didn't mean it for, to be a gift, but great. I detached it. It's okay. Guess what? I'll buy another bottle when, mm. when I'm ready to. So that's fine. Mm. And detachment comes in many forms, right? And like the, the one thing that is the most difficult in my opinion to detach from is other people because us as our core as humans we do need that connection with other people but yeah you know to love is also to like if you're opening your heart to love somebody you're also opening your heart to have your heart broken um so really having that solitude and having that space to be okay with yourself first before you're hanging your identity on, an, on a partner or or somebody else to give you that happiness because what happens if they die you know <laughs> I know that's really deep but it's like end of the day like we, we laughed about this before we started the podcast um, we're all going to die anyway at some point you know like and that kind of is a big perspective shift you know like Gary V says it all the time you know we bring up Gary V sometimes on the podcast but you know like people ask him questions on some of his things and he's like what, what am I going to have to do to get like motivated to do this thing? It's like, you're going to die. It's like, oh yeah, I am. So, so crack on. But then it's the detachment in the fact that like, look, anything can happen. There's so many variables out there in the world. Um, but detaching, obviously you'd, you'd, you'd mourn. Obviously you'd have grief. Obviously you'd have pain around certain things. But people are, everyone's going to die at some point. Um, but it's the detachment, not even detachment so that you're away from the thing, but detachment as to like if that brings you 
worth like what Naz was saying in the clip mm. you're already enough as you are of course you need community you know I'm reading a book called Lost Connections at the moment by Johan Harry it's a fantastic book I would recommend it um, but we do need to be surrounded by a tribe other people yeah. Um, but yeah detaching from that and being okay by yourself challenging but and I always clip. yeah I always bring that equation into it it's like um wanting these things but not needing these things you know and it's the same with like relationships they talk about that in love as well it's like with partners you know it's great a great practice is to accept that you want this person but you don't necessarily need this person it's the same i try and get that philosophy through to clients as well it's like with haircuts you want this haircut you don't need this haircut see a lot of people jump in their chair and say i need this haircut it's like you don't, you don't need any of this. This is just a made up construct, everything here. But you want it and that's totally fine. I'm not putting any judgment on you for that, but you don't need it. And that's when you start getting into the need, that's I think when it gets difficult because you've tied some sort of worth and your value and your ego is tied to it then. Um, and it can get difficult, say if it goes away, like we saw in the pandemic again, I hate to keep bringing it up, but a lot of people did have a meltdown because they couldn't get like what they need anymore so great clip thanks naz thanks Naz. episode or sorry clip seven clip seven not episode seven <laughs> clip seven even okay so clip number seven is from episode number 13 one of my not being biased but one of my favorite episodes that we ever did was with uh richard kavanagh um now he's a multi-award winning uh session stylist and a really almost philosophical guy as well, isn't he? Like very well read, um, really philosophical. Um, and just talking about the philosophy of learning to learn. And that's something that we talk about as well. So let's have a little look at the clip and uh, see what he has to say. What a story. Such an awesome story. I, think I, think, just, I just want to wrap it up there. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> we can't top that now. I think um, something that I'm seeing in there though, like where, where did the where did the um, kind of confidence to say yes to everything come from? Is was there a pivotal moment in your life where you can? Where do you think that came from? Because that that's common, isn't it? Right throughout your whole career, like even now, mm. like you know, it, with the technology stuff, you're like, oh, and this is where I found myself. It's like, it's like yeah, saying yes. That makes sense figuring it because out, you know? you're the guy that does. All right, bring on. You know, what do you think that is? Ah, oh, that's a good question, man. I reckon it's a combination of things, right? Like it's it's one part stupidity and naivety. Yep. You know, it's just like yep. a... So I kind of have this I have this philosophy in life and I, I learned this fairly early on. I think I picked this up through fighting and in my innate nature, right? So my, my, my nature, we moved around quite a lot when I was a kid. So I had to kind of learn how to make friends quite quickly. And it was a really good skill to have. And, and at the time I didn't like it very much, but... You know, it, it served me well because I can I can easily just kind of meet people and be quite relaxed about who I am and, you know, be quite comfortable with myself and know that who I am is not going to change based on external circumstances. Um, so that's kind of part of my innate nature. But when I started fighting, I realized that, um, I, I don't think I mentioned this in my intro, but I... I did martial arts. So I got my black belt in karate in 92. I fought full contact bare knuckles, open weight tournaments. Uh, I boxed. I was a golden gloves boxing champion. Uh, and then I transitioned to um, jujitsu through MMA. And now I do jujitsu. Amazing. Uh, yeah, awesome. And so through that, I think what I've learned is that, 
is kind of at the heart of the philosophy of everything I do is that everybody gets up in the morning out of bed after sleeping and they go to the toilet and they have something to eat and they put their pants on and then they go about their day, right? Nobody is any different in that respect. And so I've got this kind of thing in my head that if you are a person and you can do something, I am a person too, therefore I can do that thing, Yeah. right? Um, even if I don't know how to do it, I know that I can learn. Yeah, you can yeah. figure it out. We, we have that philosophy that's amazing. We just talk, we talk about that almost weekly. Yeah. Um, and something that I like to help people with in the academy is like, it's almost learning a good learning philosophy. Like you yes. need, almost you need to learn to learn. Yes. And if, if you can do that, you can pretty much do anything. Exactly. You know, I mean, there's some limitations, obviously. Some might be some biological limitations, but for most things, if you can learn, you can do most mm. things. Another, another great clip. Um, you know, I think Richard just dropped bomb after bomb in that podcast, and he was like, it just didn't stop. I could have picked. I think I had three clips picked out for that episode, but I just had to settle on one. That one for me, I settled on that one because this is very practical advice. In a roundabout way, it's the way that we explain it is readdressing your relationship with difficult moments, especially in the scenarios that we find ourselves in. We'll be doing classes and someone can't get a technique or they can't understand something or whatever whatever it might be. It's a difficult scenario, but a really few slow down and anchor back into really think about how you learn you could pretty much get yourself through any kind of scenario now what i don't think has helped is the school system i think if you don't know how to learn in the way if you're not good at learning in the way that the school system wants you to learn i think the system makes you feel like you're not good at learning and then people get a, a bad relationship with learning and that's why they'll come to people like us they want to upskill and then try and learn a new skill or get stuck and immediately hate themselves because it's all it's a negative down spiral instead of really anchoring back into yourself and slowing down taking a deep breath and being like right okay how is it that I learn the best and then redevelop that skill because think of everything you've had to do to this very moment in your life you had to learn how to do it mm. it's a lie if you say you don't know how to learn or you can't learn or you're bad at learning it's an outright lie. You had to learn to do everything that you do. Um, so that's, I love that Richard says that and, and he had the humility to be like, look, I'm a human, you're a human. If you can do it, I can do it. Mm. Um, take out obviously the biological uh, shortcomings that there might be. The, the next bit on that clip was he was saying he's never going to play in the NBA. I just said, well, you never say never. And he was like, look, I'm not, you know, six foot five. And, you know, so obviously there's biological um shortcomings but I think just re-establishing that relationship with difficult moments and realizing that it pays to discover how you learn the most and anchor back into that yeah you could see the excitement in our faces if you're watching the clip on YouTube right now um, you can see the excitement in Lee and I's faces when he's saying this stuff <laughs> we're just smiling and smiling like, like this is fucking brilliant you know I, like I again no bias Richard's episode was one of my favorites um, I knew that you had picked a clip out of it already, so I didn't. I didn't go there to try and pick a clip out of it. But my clip out of that would be the whole podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's just a fantastic oh, podcast. It's, it's just a really, really good podcast. So that's episode thirteen. If you guys want to go watch that, go do that. I would recommend it. So move on to the next one. Next clip. Clip, clip number eight. 
what do we have here? <laughs> yeah, look, this is very much this this clip. I, I picked this one because it's very similar to Jamie's one in a couple of respects. Um, it's not as much um, of a laughter type of clip, but there's something really beautiful in this clip and in this whole episode as a whole. So this is one with Josh Stewart, um, episode 12. So just give this little clip a watch and then I'll explain as to why I chose this. Um, Probably yeah. something wrong. You're so tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like that's the next thing. But it's about like, raising your baseline really, isn't it? Yeah. It's like your baseline of happiness still has to be a certain like... Yeah. I feel like mine, I like to keep it at a certain point, but it's like, it's not always like in the fucking red zone, you know, where it's just like going <laughs> yeah. crazy or the green zone, whatever you want to call yeah. it. And then kind of next, I'd be like, what, yeah, how do you, what makes you happy? Like, when are you your happiest? What brings you joy? Oh, <laughs> the to- like, I'm pretty addicted to sparkling water. Amazing. <laughs> awesome. Just drink, drink oh, it's water. so weird, but I literally say that and I'm like, yes, this is all I need to survive. It's one of those pretty good things, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, have you ever had the um, stuff from Hepburn Springs? Have you ever had that? No. Naturally sparkling, mate. Are you serious? Hepburn Springs? Where That's one place? for the viewers, isn't it? One for the <laughs> listeners. So it's, it's a bore underground. Yeah. Some of the most heavily mineral-based mineral water in Australia and as it comes up it carbonates itself that's crazy man I need to go there yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love it what and a you, clip you know, what, you know, what it's a clip what's interesting about that and the reason why I picked it is because now I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm laughing there because it's bringing me so much joy to see that something that we would the majority of us would take for absolute granted is something that brings somebody else so much joy and it it's just like you know that can be that answer like when we ask that question at the end of the the podcast because that's right at the end when we ask that question about like is somebody happy you know that can go in so many different ways um but to get such a simple answer from a very deep and philosophical person like josh is no you know like he's not he's no goldfish you know what I mean he's very smart he's very oh yeah, yeah. Um, he's very interesting dude and philosophical and interesting guy so um, for him to come out with an answer like that just really brought the humanity back to it and it brought out the truth in him too and like something as simple as that probably has encouraged me over time to not have to always dig for the deep answers to just be myself and to just say things as they are you know like our as they come up in me like that would have came to the surface for him and he would have just said it instead of digging deeper and just trying to actually find am I happy like you know because that's something that you know I think nowadays you know especially you know you listen to a lot of podcasts personal development style podcasts there's this whole theory on happiness like people are just always talking about happiness and you know we've done it a fair bit in our podcast but you know to constantly be asking yourself are you happy on a daily basis is probably unproductive in in my opinion it's like unless i'm absolutely distraught and I, I learned this one from andrew tate like so don't take any any hate on me against andrew tate right we'll talk we'll do a podcast on andrew tate yeah. too and our ideas on andrew tate but unless i'm absolutely distraught and somebody has like died or like something is crazy is going on i am happy 
even when I'm sad, I'm happy. Um, but for Josh to like, I, and I, I actually do think that Josh could have come up with a really deep answer there. Mm. He could have given us something really deep, mm. but he, that's what he chose to do because I think the rest of the conversation we were kind of probing the deepness, but he wanted to just bring a bit something light to the surface. Sparkling water brings some joy. I thought that was a beautiful little share. Um, it was one of my favorite when I thought about the podcast in every episode that one just came to mind I was just mm. like that's just was such a fun time because in the clip you can see Leah and I we're not we're not laughing or we're not kind of expressing the joy that we're expressing now explaining that but afterwards when Josh left we were like how fucking great was it that Josh mm. just said that sparkling water brought him happiness yeah. I was like that's a man who's got his fucking priorities straight <laughs> yeah and I think us yeah. not expressing that any emotion there was just that full acceptance of that person and just seeing it for what it was just such a beautiful moment yeah. like I think it was very um, it was kind of a moment for us too like you said especially for me just being like yeah it's fine it's fine if sparkling water is the damn thing that brings you joy in the morning or whenever it is great Yeah, you know and, and something that I was thinking about earlier we were talking a little bit about happiness earlier and you know, just looking to be happy all the time is that the exercise of like trying to find those peak states all the time, and that can be quite addictive. And mm. something that I'm thinking about, I read it again in the in the book that I'm reading. It's it's a Taoist line. It's like there's no way to happiness, but happiness is the only way. Mm. Happiness is the only way. So just be happy, just enjoy it. You know, knowing that things are never going to be always good, things are not always going to be always bad. Um, for me, I'm just like, what I've realized lately, you know, I've, I've quit caffeine, I've been fasting a lot, I've been doing all these things to like minimize all of those like stimulations in my life. And, and life can just, just bob along at this like level. And I think that's why we like stimulants and coffee and why people smoke and all these things because it gives us those like peak states which is great but it can be very addictive and what I'm kind of accepting right now is like if I can just my days are just like at this level that's great if, if my days I'm like yeah that was good yeah that was a good day like if that's my reaction to my days then I think that's like plenty good enough mm-hmm. because if I'm constantly looking for these ah these crazy ecstatic peak moments and if I'm always down, if I'm down low too much and I'm really wallowing in my own pity, that's also addictive. So, yeah, I'm kind of happy with the sparkling water philosophy. Yeah. That brings me joy. <laughs> well, what goes up must come down, you know? You think about that one. And it can come down higher than where it was, but what goes up must come down. Consistency is key, guys. Next clip. Next clip. Okay, so we are second to last clip, clip number nine. Um, so this is from, uh, I picked this one from episode 22, uh, from the was it episode... 22 or 23? Because we, it was a, we had a false 22. Yeah, what it did actually, we do actually, there? It was, it was 22. It was meant to be 22, but then it was 23. Let's call it 22, just for the, like, the serendipity of it. Yeah. But it's actually 23. But if you want to go and watch it, it's 22. Yeah, it's 23. But in it, we say 22, and there's a lot of like, it was a serendipitous <laughs> moment, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. So... Um, <clears throat> Anyway, it's, yeah, basically us with the fame team, um, Owen and I, and it was on one of the mentor weeks that we had here in Melbourne. Um, we'll play the clip. It's on your short clip and uh, let's see what I had to say. More creativeness. And again, meeting all you guys and like finding, there's something that we talk a lot about, it's like finding your herd. 
can't always mm-hmm. expect the people to come to you. You got to go and find them, and that was something I really wanted to find a herd. And that's why I was so like thankful after that first uh, mental week. I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> like I feel good about hair again. Very quick clip, um, but that's all I really. That that is it's a powerful punch. That clip um, and something that Owen and I have been practicing a lot probably for the last what year year and a half is is finding our herd is putting ourselves in scenarios with people that we find that we resonate with because unfortunately you know it took me a long time to work this out but if you just like stand around just complaining about your circumstances more often than not it's not going to change the people around you aren't going to change the people aren't just going to magically be in your presence. You know, there's, I don't think there's any amount of manifesting that is going to change the people that surround you. Um, and you know, what, what is the statistic? You're the sum of the five people that you hang out with or something like that. Um, or you can yeah, guarantee you'll have some of those traits. So fame team has been one of those moments this year. And that was one of the reasons why, why I actually enrolled in the first place was to find you know, herd's probably quite a, uh, what's the word, a primal way of talking about it. It sounds like just, you know, a bunch of animals in a field, which, but what it means is, you know, your, your people that you surround yourself with, the people, the family that you're with all the time. And in hair, I, I just felt a little bit flat. So I just had to find that, go and find a herd that fired me up again. And as I said at the bottom of that, at the end of that clip, you know, I haven't been this excited in hair in a long time. I'm excited about it again. And that's what it makes me feel when I'm around the fame team. You know, we do exciting things. All these people bring their different strengths and whatever the things that they're excited about. And uh, yeah, it fires me up. So there's power in the herd and power in finding a herd. And if you're not happy with the circumstances that you're in, fortunately, sometimes you've got to embrace the discomfort and go and find some new ones. Well, that's the thing. It's like it's not a the play with words there. Like finding your herd, it's not your herd finding you. Like if you just stand around and and wait for it to come to you, it's never gonna come. Like you do have to go and actively um, look for it, put it out there, manifest it. You know, put that energy out, and it will come come back around. And um, and you know, if if you're not happy with your current circumstances, you know, like that's where where you have to make some tweaks and adjustments and changes. And you know, I think we're we're doing that every day right now at the, mm. uh, we're, we're kind of taking I would I say this all the time but I feel like you know we're taking risks on behalf of the industry on behalf of, of you guys who are listening um, if you are a barber or hairdresser so that we can share our experiences with you guys about finding our herd you know for me you know I've got multiple different herds it doesn't have to be a herd it can I have multiple different ones um, but at least I have at least one you know like a lot of people that I know might not even have one you know like yeah i can think of multiple people on the top of my head that are, are lonely people you know mm. um and it's just about but they're still reaching out and they're talking to me and they're trying to find that hard so yeah. i think equally it is okay to just have one yeah. as well like this right here like this is fine if you just have one person that you we have our own herd we have we, our own herd like this, this I, could this is a herd for us our, our own herd yeah you know, to <laughs> a degree that that can be uh <laughs> Interested at times, yeah. but um, how are we going to expand the herd? <laughs> but we, do we, share we also, a lot of time, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we also have our own herds outside of this herd too, and 
and that's also important but it's fine just to have one in your herd nothing wrong with that either so mm. don't feel like it has to be you know that that you are the sum of the five people some might some people might look around and be like i don't have five people around me mm. that's fine nothing wrong with that does it can be one person could be 20 people it doesn't really yeah. matter and it, you um, know, influences too like you know yeah. if you only have that one person what are you watching what are you listening to what yeah. are you um consuming you know when you go online because I look at people online as my mentors. Like I look at them, I, don't, I might not know them on a personal level, but I've learned a lot more from Kerwin Ray. I've learned a lot more from Gary Vee. I've learned a lot more from Stephen Bartlett, a lot more from Peter Crone, a lot more from Mo Gaudet than I have from the majority of people that I know on a personal level. Yep. The exception is maybe Hannah, Lee, pushing it any further than that it's, it's kind mm. of difficult the, re- the, the other five people that I named there probably have taught me more when it comes to actual life um, yeah you know obviously our parents are a big part of our herd when, we, yeah. when we're growing up you know they teach us a lot of what they've learned um, you know it's debatable I'll get into that one or not as to like whether or not there's right and wrongs there um, I think it's a lot of biases you know we are different people and and we're always continuing to grow in different ways. Um, but yeah, I love what my parents taught me. And like now I just take that and take it to the next level. Yeah, I love what you said there. Like for the longest time, um, you know, Gary Vee and Ty Lopez were part of my herb. Herd? Herb? Herd? <laughs> <laughs> Losing my words now. But um, yeah, they were part of my herd. And because it was, you know, I, I'd maybe have a couple of people that I would talk to, close friends, two, three. And then I'd have, you know, the, the, that constant content from YouTube um, from those guys. They were just smashing out great advice, great mentorship advice. Um, they didn't know me, but I felt like I knew them. Mm. So. And that's the power. That's the power. That's why we do what we do. And, and we're getting to the last clip. Oh. Last clip. Let's, let's this go. This hurts. Let's I want to keep going. It. I'm having fun. This one's good. This, this is fun. Touch the heart a little bit, you know. All right. Okay, last clip, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this. Yeah, no, this is cool. We've, we've enjoyed before we get this into a the lot. last clip, before we get into this, because after this we'll, we'll just do our recap and then we'll wrap it up. But it's been so hard to choose ten clips, and mm. you know, arguably, you know, we were talking about this yesterday. We have a couple of podcasts that deserve to be on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, our one with Johnny in Adelaide was fantastic, fantastic conversation. Um, that that one for me was a standalone episode. I, I think that hot, you couldn't really take bits from that one. No, like it was almost, That's, I was going through it. I listened to it back yeah. like when I was in the Gold Coast last week and I was trying to pick pieces out of it, but then I was like, it's all... Like, it's too good. It's all this, it's, it was just good from the start to the finish. Yeah. There wasn't peaks and troughs and that's the case for a lot of our podcasts, but I just, I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that in the podcast, that that particular episode is one that stands out to me as something that people should go and listen to. A lot of the ones that we've done ourselves as well have yeah. been really good. Yep. Um, the one with Jack has yep. been great. Um, you know, I'm sure we're leaving out a few people yeah. there, maybe not. But like, we've done some fantastic episodes. Even the last one that we put out before this with Gareth was a fantastic episode as well. Really good. Yep. You know, and I think as we continue to do the episodes, um, we're getting a little bit more comfortable, a little bit better, sharing our insights. And um, it was really, really quite challenging to pick these 10. So these are the 10 for now. Um, we're going to do another 10 for the next uh, year, I guess. Um, but we might do something like this in between because I feel like we've both really enjoyed this, this episode. Great. Yeah, I'd love um, this. And I'm really excited to get the podcast kick-started again. And we have 
actually a really great guest for the next podcast, which is already recorded for after this. Um, but first, let's let's before we wrap it up fully, I want to explain what clip number ten is, and it's from episode fifteen. Um, it's with Hannah O'Shea, so my partner, um, and it's basically. You know, the first 10 minutes, uh, when I sent it to Lee to edit, I was like, it's kind of snippets from the first 10 minutes. But for me, that episode was a pivotal turning point for Hannah in her life. Obviously, being her partner, it was a, a big moment for me to see her in that environment and, and showing up so well. Um, but, you know, overcoming her fear of podcasting and, and kind of talking into her understanding of trauma. And I thought it was a really, really great uh, first opening 10 minutes. So. Let's have a look at the Let's have clip, a look. Um, and see what we can take from it. Into it. I'm excited. Welcome, Hannah. I'm excited Hannah. to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm That's honored. great. Yeah, so how are you feeling about being on the podcast? I'm feeling all the feels. It's, um, it's kind of, it's like a full circle moment. Um, because what actually led me to breathwork, outside of Lee, first of all, um, being the person who kind of brought it into my field originally but what what really kind of drove me to diving deep with breathwork and this modality was the struggles that I faced throughout my own podcast and what it brought up for me when I tried to start my own so being here and sitting in front of I don't know, just sitting with you guys and doing this podcast is like, it's very full circle. Mm. Um, so I'm feeling all the feels, I'm feeling excited and I'm actually feeling really proud of myself because I've seen, I can notice in my body right now, the, the difference in myself, me now versus me pre-journey um, <laughs> with breath work and healing and, and all of it. Mm -hmm. There is such a huge change I feel so much more present. So yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and kind of get deep into this conversation um, and just be open and raw and honest and allow myself to just be and speak from the heart, which is something that I feel like I have probably struggled with a little bit up to now, but I'm just like, this is my time. I'm really letting go <laughs> and surrendering to it. So I'm excited. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's something we talk about off camera, wasn't it? A little bit about where does that come from? Yeah. What is it for each of us? We all have mm. different levels of it. Mm. Um, I think something that I've identified in myself is that fear of judgment. Mm. Sure. Like, um, yeah, where do you think it comes from for you? Oh, it's deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's deep. Yeah. Um, I actually, so a lot of my issues are around being seen for sure and being heard in my truth. Okay. And because it comes down to like childhood trauma, which was a lot of, a lot of us it's rooted what we struggle with in our lives in our adult lives is usually rooted in something which happened in our childhood mm. um, and trauma sounds like such a heavy weighted word but it's really it's really very simple it's just something that was too much too soon too fast that's one way of describing it Another explanation of it or definition, um, which I really love, is it's not actually what happened. It's the response in your body mm. in the moment. Um, it's not actually the event itself. Mm. So both you and I could have experienced the exact same thing. But I may find it traumatizing and you may not. Mm. So trauma is... <clears throat> 
it it depends on on the person basically mm. it it depends yeah that's something that i learned um someone you know when i learned what the meaning of trauma was for me i i never could get my head around it because mm. i always thought there was a measure mm-hmm. and the big tur- turning point for me was like there isn't a measure for trauma no you can't measure it <laughs> and what is traumatic for you might not be traumatic for me and vice mm-hmm. versa um but one of the best that was a really like those explanations were really nice i think the the one that changed it for me was dr gabo mate yeah. and he said a trauma is basically a stress left undone so it's basically a stress like you said the nervous system just doesn't know what to do with it and mm-hmm. whether it comes too fast too soon or whether it's just something that you just don't have the capability to deal with mm-hmm. that becomes a trauma because mm-hmm. i always used to think a tra- trauma was like this catastrophic event like someone had to die or like you know that was trauma to me and I'm like oh that's not trauma and Mm. I almost hold judgment on that if someone was like oh it's traumatic I'm like no it's Mm. not get over it you know because that's kind of how I was brought up but I think it's it's like the stories and and the coding that we've been programmed to believe since we're young it's the same with the word ego like mm. you know the, the, so much weight to it there's so much work like weight to the word ego if you tell somebody mm. that that's your ego they're like no it's not yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like... there it actually is that's yeah. exactly what it is, yeah. it is. but it's yeah. not a bad it's not a bad thing like trauma is not a bad thing either well i think what what uh, the second quote i actually mentioned was also um gabber Mate. Uh, he's amazing i he's love amazing. him yeah but when, when you talk about trauma without saying that it's a trauma response that's actually mm. what it is because it's it's the body mm. because when we experience something that is that we perceive as overwhelming the body responds and if it doesn't have the capability to to fully um finish off the kind of response cycle then that's what causes the mm. trauma like yeah. it's your biology yeah. just doing its thing mm. yeah. <clears throat> so now like that that is a, a fantastic clip and i think um you know, the reason I chose it is because I, I don't know if it's just me and, and, and you, Lee, but like, you know, trauma and healing and everything like that has become very fashionable to mm-hmm. a degree. But, yeah. you know, throwing the word around a lot, you know, like about trauma. But I think Hannah really sums it up very well. And, you know, you can see in the beginning of the, of the clip how she explained the difference in how she was feeling in the body not in the mind now a really quick one for you guys something that is that i learned through Corwin ray and you can't actually feel anything in your brain there's no nerve centers in your brain whatsoever you can't think a feeling so when you think oh you know for her to be able to connect to her body like that you know females have a, an intuitive gift and much more than men to be able to feel into emotion and and um yeah just feeling in general but the difference between the trauma and the trauma response is the event versus the feeling in the body and i think you know a lot of the time what i see is and what i've experienced myself is especially lately is i was very attached to an event and kept thinking about the event but couldn't connect to the feeling in my body um and I don't know if I explained this in the episode about what happened at the Kerwin space, but that was the first time that I connected back to the feeling in the body. Now, looking at it from a biological and physiolo- physiological standpoint, looking at us as animals, which we are, we're animals. If you see a zebra 
in the in the jungle being chased by a lion and it's got a bit of a scratch it's got a bit of a bite it gets away it's physically shaking when it gets to a place where it's by itself there's videos of this online it's physically shaking and what does it actually do intuitively you know a zebra is not there thinking oh i need to drop to the ground and start doing this thing but what it does is it drops to the ground and it starts shaking and what that shaking does is it actually releases the trauma from the body so uh, what can actually happen to us as humans because we are smarter we have a smarter brain in my opinion and correct me if i'm wrong because this is a very complex topic and i don't want to get this stuff wrong but what can happen because we we think about a certain thing we actually block ourselves from the feeling and block ourselves from releasing the trauma um and what that can actually lead to is symptoms such as people pleasing um never feeling fully secure in yourself because you're you're still that trauma is trapped somewhere in your in your body and it can't be released so anytime that something comes up like hannah said our biology is just doing its thing the amygdala is the, the detector in the brain. You know, our body receives signals all the time that are coming into us to detect danger. Is something safe, dangerous, or life-threatening, you know? Um, it's, it's got these detectors that are always on. So like, for example, a people-pleasing tendency could be trying to control other people's perception of you because of a trauma response. You might be feeling something in the body. And you know, I'm very co- conscious about how I'm feeling. Even like, at times throughout this podcast, I've been like tense. There's been times where I'm tense. There's times where I'm loose. When I am tense, I realize I am. So I've got the conscious awareness around it now. Um, but using tools like the breath, like what Hannah's got into to actually regulate yourself in those moments is great. But again, the regulation is only symptom management. You know, that movement of the energy through the body still has to happen. I know I still haven't moved a lot of the energy through my body. Um, I just don't feel like I've been in a safe enough container to do it yet. That makes sense. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's beautiful. And through Hannah's explanation and your explanation, you know, it's, it's so beautiful. And I've gone through a lot of this myself as well. You know, going digging through all that stuff. And it's one thing I will say to everybody: it's not easy, is it? You know, it's not easy. No, it's, be, this isn't like. Tricky. That's why I think, like Owen said at the start, it you know trauma being a fashionable word. You know, we have to be careful when we throw it around because it's not. It's not a light. It's not light work, is it? Like no. working with with trauma and you know the, these deeper conditioned feelings and where all these you know reactions come from. But something that I've been studying a bit more, you know, I've gotten back into kind of studying holistic health a bit more again lately. And um, one of the guys that I look up to, a guy called Paul Check, and he he helps people to if they've got deep psychological problems, he gets them to work on their body first. So he'll actually get them to start exercising first, and and they're like, no, 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 I'm 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 sad, I'm I'm feeling down, like I've got this deep traumatic things. He was like, no, no, you, it, this is for people that don't exercise. He was like, no, you need to start exercising, and what that does is it starts to connect the brain to the body again, mm-hmm. without because sometimes you can spend your whole life and never make that connection, and he was like, so once you get the relationship good with the body, then you can start to make the um connections again and just naturally when you start to take care of the body um some things will start to alleviate everything will just start to become a little easier in the mind um 
So that's where I'm at with that as well, is don't neglect the body again, because it, it, it's very easy to lose that connection, because the brain, like Owen said, is so good at overriding everything. Mm. This little think box up here is brilliant at overriding everything, and yeah. I think that's what differentiates us from all, all other animals. Mm. Um, so yeah, that would be some kind of my practical tips if, if anybody's kind of struggling with that stuff, mm. trying to struggling with feeling where is it in my body, start to develop that relationship with the body, really focus and feel into it again. Mm. Um, and yeah, look, strap in, not easy. And uh, I think we still to this day still there's still things, aren't there? But especially with the so there's I just want to add one thing in as well, and I think Hannah might have touched on this in her podcast. There's big T trauma and there's little T trauma. And like, trauma is such a heavy-weighted word, but something as simple as a loud noise as a kid could be a trauma that hasn't moved through your body. Um, and then every time now that you hear a loud noise, you get that same response in yeah. the body because it hasn't been moved out through yeah. the body. Um, so anyone who thinks that energy work is a lot of shit, I would, I would advise you to take yeah take some take notice. Take some notice of it and just maybe give it a try. You know, you can't write anything off without trying it. Um, I was definitely one of those people for a long time. I can't believe there was times in my life where I used to write off even the idea and concept of cold showers and what what that would do for you. Um, but yeah, look, again, so much more information on Hannah's episode about that. And yeah, what a way to end it. You know, like that was some really deep knowledge there. You know, it's only a couple of minutes. But the response, instead of just trauma in itself and identifying with the event of the trauma, yeah. it's actually not the trauma at all. It's not what happened at all. It's not what happened to you. It's the response in the body. And because animals don't have their brains as developed as ours, as soon as they shake and they get that energy out, they probably just trot along on with life and forget that it ever happened. You know, like because their psychology isn't strong enough like the way ours is. The only thing that keeps us attached to the event is our psychology. And sometimes our, psycho our psychology can push us too far. And it's something that I've also learned from Kerwin recently. When we talk into a window of tolerance and the upper limits and the lower limits. And let's save that for another podcast. Because that's a really good one too. We've got loads of little oh. gold nuggets in there now. Ready to go. We're ready to go for se season yeah. two. Season, gonna, oh, season two. I'm not even going to call it season two. No. We're just going to continue it on. Yeah. You know? Year um, two. Year two. The, year up, two. the upgrade. You know, the upgrade at us. Well, I think that's the beautiful thing about taking a break as well is, as you might notice from Owen and I, we are, you know, always pushing ourselves and doing new things. And we're, 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 I don't like to use the word busy, but we are busy guys. And we, but I think that means we're always doing a lot of things. And that means we're having lots of experiences. And, you know, and that forces us to, it stretches our capacity and our ability for this life. And, you know, our kind of traumas and uh, those reactions to those things and how that brings us out as the humans we are today. And that's why I think we always have so much gold to share is because we're on that path of trying to iron that one out as best as possible and smooth that one out mm. um, to make this life as seamless and as joyful as possible, um, which is exciting for year number two. Fantastic. Cool. So yeah guys stay tuned um, yeah. we'll have another episode out in two weeks and the following two weeks after that and the one after that and the one after that and the one after that but you know comment below leave us a rating you know like yeah. this really helps us you know like get the, the views up 
um, so that we can share more of our message with you guys. Um, but yeah, in the comments, just leave what your favorite clip was out of the 10. You yeah. Know? Um, let us know what you found valuable about that clip. And, and, you know, if you had any other clips that you really loved from the podcast throughout the year, we would love to hear a little bit more from you guys, whether that's privately or in, in public, right? Yeah. Like we're not saying that one or the other is, is better. But, you know, we got this philosophy at Area Academy where we talk about there's no such thing as a silly question, meaning that a lot of the time something that you write or something, a question that you ask is going to help somebody else. And that's why we do what we do in our community group on Facebook as well. In the network on Facebook, we do Wednesday Wins. You know, it's so that everybody else can learn and see that other people are flourishing and progressing and it's an encouraging atmosphere to be around. You just never know what you share and how you share it, you know, how that can actually help somebody else. So mm. we encourage you to do that. And before we finish up, just want to thank everybody for the first year. Yeah, thank Everybody you. who's listened, commented, all of that good stuff um, means the world to us. We're super grateful. Um, yeah, we wouldn't do this if there was... We probably... T- that's a lot. We probably would do it if nobody's listening. Do you know what? Like, it's just a vent. One, one, thing you know? about, one thing about us as well, like we haven't put any really paid promo into it. Yeah. We haven't put any... Um, we've never really looked at the analytics. You know, we do this. This is probably one of the favorite things that we do. Mm. I would say it's up there with mm. top three, like favorite things that I do when it comes to work. Yeah. Love having a good chat. Love talking philosophy. Love putting the ideas out there. And yeah, thanks everybody for being along with the ri- for the ride for the whole first year. Awesome. Great. See you in the next one.